Praise the Lord. If you have your uh, Bibles, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25. And we're continuing on. We've been looking at the glory of God over these past number of weeks. Uh, for whose glory was that first week? The whole purpose of why we are here, why God has saved us and kept us here on the earth for the glory of God. And then looking at that glory that is in us, Christ, the hope of glory. And then the manifestation of God's glory through us, that was last week. But all of those messages, really, this one this morning, rests on this. And this is the centrality of it all. And it's God's glory, the glory of God and the cross. How crucial the cross of Christ is in understanding the manifestation of the glory of God. If you have your uh, Bibles this morning, and we're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25. The Bible says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we pray for your anointment upon your word. Lord, both to preach and to hear it. Lord, we pray that you would indeed enlighten our understanding and bring the revelation, burn in our hearts the revelation of the cross and the glory of God. Oh, Father, we're praying for a fresh demonstration of your power and your glory on this earth at this time. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, give us ears to hear. Glorify your Son. May your Son be displayed in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, in this, these few verses, these wonderful verses, we understand that the flesh, the Bible says that no flesh would ever glory in his presence. That which is the fallen nature of man, that natural part of us, we have a new creature, but we know that there's a fallen nature and there is a warfare between that which is the flesh and the spirit. But we know that the Bible clearly teaches us here, Paul writing that there is no flesh for glory in his presence. No, there is no means by which the glory, God can be glorified through the natural man, through the natural means. God has set forth here in these few verses, he has set forth to us the means and the which and the method, method and the materials that God would use to glorify himself. God has chosen you find those words God hath chosen three times in our reading what God has chosen that would bring glory and honor to his name. So we see by the divine counsel of God, the divine order of God and the divine will of God that God has a particular way. It's his way, it's not man's way, but it's God's way in which he will glorify his son. 
And that's how we will be glorified, as glory will be seen on this earth in one particular way. And he calls it, he, Paul writes here to the church of Jesus Christ, saying, Now look at your own calling, brethren. That's what he's saying. Look at your own calling. You see your calling, brethren, that not many of us are wise according to the human standards. And not many powerful or influential, the Amplified says, and not many high and of a noble birth. God is not looking the great and the mighty in order to display his glory. I'm, I'm glad for that this morning, that God is not looking the high and the mighty for the display of his glory. But here we see these three, three times God has chosen, or as the Amplified says, God has selected for his purpose. This is what God looks for. This is the means by which God is going to work. So this is important that we try to focus in and tune in on what God has selected because, again, we are so often being conditioned and we're so often being influenced by what the world think and the worldly standards, which has largely slipped into the church now over these past years, that, that the whole goals of the church are set not by the Holy Spirit, but now the whole conduct and the whole operation of a church is being dictated to and influenced by the worldly means. But God's word never changes. And so God has selected for his purposes the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant or the base things of the world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are. You see what God has selected, what God is looking for, what God, by the Holy Spirit and his divine will and counsel, God is not looking for that which is great, mighty, strong, powerful in the world's eyes and the world's wisdom, but God is looking for something completely opposite for his purpose and for his glory. If this, will, if this is what we come to grasp and understand what he chooses and what he, what he has purposed for the glory of God, then what happens if I flip this over to the other side, just for a moment if you take this thought, what happens if the church then in, its, in the eyes of the world and in, the, in its own eyes becomes strong materially with great uh, man-centered inspired apparatus it becomes uh, and becomes successful in its business and in its projects it becomes a very polished operated machine what happens is in the opposite of that that's not what god has chosen god has not chosen that god has not purposed that in order that he would display the glory of God. And so when you read of the saints of old that God would choose fishermen ignorant and unlearned and you begin to work through the whole of church history, often the greatest uh, notable individuals that have been used of God have come from backgrounds of, of that were, were the base things of the world. But God was able to apprehend these individuals or these gatherings and God was able to move in his great power and his great glory because that's what God has purposed. That's what God has chosen. And this is all in the context. This reading this morning is in the context of verse 18 that says that the message of the cross is foolishness 
In other words, what Paul is, is bringing right before us here is the whole function and the whole divine will and counsel of God and how God has purposed it in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of those that are perishing. The cross itself is foolishness. They cannot grasp it. The us that are saved, he tells us here that it is the power of God, the power of God. And so we see here that in the context of this writing, this was the message of the cross that Paul is talking about. That what God has chosen and purpose in the context of the cross being foolishness. But in that context, God would call and God would choose men and women that were the base, that they were the weak, that were the insignificant. And the reason why he did is that through that he would display his glory, that no flesh would glory in his presence. Paul grasped and penned the revelation of the glory of God and lived a life displaying that glory of Christ. The message of the cross was more than just something that he preached. But when we read the life of Paul, it was a message that he lived. It was the message of the cross that he lived. And all the great and all the marvelous acts of God that we have witnessed and where he has displayed his glory. The greatest by far is the cross of Jesus Christ. When we look at the splendor of the glory of God and these wonderful days that we're experiencing of great weather and we see the rolling hills and we see the, 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 the cattle in the fields and we see the splendor and the glory of all of what God has created. When we go right through the book, <clears throat> the Old Testament and see all the great displays of God's wonder and his glory when he comes in all his power when we see him gathering together a people unto himself Israel in that Old Testament and the hand of the Lord upon them and how God wonderfully delivered them and brought them out and brought them through and destroyed the enemy and brought them into the wilderness and that Old Testament tabernacle where God would come down and display his glory in that tabernacle through that wilderness when we see that temple that was erected and those plans that were given to David to build a house for the Lord and Solomon had finished that work and built that temple and the glory of the Lord coming and dwelling in that, in that house and the splendor and the, and the marvel of God's glory being displayed time and time again through the kings and the Chronicles, as God would come at a time when maybe Israel were, were against it. It was impossible, but God would come and break through. There'd be a move of God. There'd be a sound of the rustle on the mulberry tree that God would display his glory and his power for his name's sake. And we read all those wonderful stories and we see the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and we see shepherds in the field and we see the heavens open and the angels crying glory to God in the highest and peace to all men. Christ has come, he's been born of a virgin. What glory was displayed at that time? We look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of God in that vessel that all the fullness of God had dwelt within him and he lived and walked this earth and healed the sick delivered the oppressed, set the captive free, raised the dead. But friends, the greatest display of the glory of God in all of what we have talked about is that when Christ went to the cross, 
when he was nailed and crucified to that old rugged cross 2,000 years ago. That was God's lamb. That was God's sacrifice. That was God's son that died on the cross and that he was buried. And glory to God on the third day, he rose triumphant over the grave. And praise the Lord, he's ascended and seated at the right hand of God. The greatest display of the glory of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. Yet the Bible tells us here that the message of the cross is foolishness. The message of the cross is foolishness. Paul not only preached the cross, now remain with me this morning if you would, but Paul not only preached the cross, we preached Christ crucified. But not only did he preach the cross, and this is important, that we want to see in these days a manifestation of the glory of God and the power of God. But Paul also lived by that cross. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, if you turn to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul writes these words. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ <clears throat> liveth in me. Now remember, we looked at this. Christ in you, he's the hope of glory. So here Paul is saying, I am crucified by this Christ. It's not just a message that he preached, but it was a life that he lived. But, but Christ lives in me. Christ, the hope of glory. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here we see the life of the cross of Christ manifested in Paul the Apostle. I am crucified with him. He says, nevertheless I live, but it's not I, but it is Christ that's living in me. Christ is living through me because of the crucified life that the Lord Jesus Christ then is manifested in his life as he is crucified with him. And the glory and the power and the presence of Christ is displayed in that human vessel. The, the life that he lived was by the faith of the Son of God. It was through faith, the faith of God's Son in his life. It wasn't his own effort. It wasn't his own, his own strength by which he was living. But he was dead to himself and he was alive fully to God. The cross is central. And to the glory of Christ that's being revealed. There's a death, but a death always brings forth the life. And the cross is needed. The cross is central for the glory to be displayed in these days. Sadly, the glory is often covered by the veil of the flesh. Because we simply haven't grasped by the grace of God and the faith of the Son of God what it is to die to ourselves. The arguments are futile. The issues, the real issue is a life lived, a crucified life that Christ has seen within us. But the church, the early church, grasped this truth when Christ taught it as he walked, walked this land. In Matthew 16 and 24, Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, he said, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, and let him follow me. This was the disciple course that Christ set forth 
This is really what it was all about. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, if you want to be one of my number, then here's what Jesus said. This is what he set forth. This isn't what the church decided. This isn't what a preacher decided. But this is what Jesus said. If you want to be a follower of me, if you want to follow me, you want to walk in my path, then he says, if you want to come after me, the first thing, let that man deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him follow me. He set forth the greatest discipleship course that a man could ever come to. You want to be my follower? Then you deny everything of what you are. You leave everything of what you are. You take up your cross and you follow me. Paul had grasped this crucified life with Christ. So if I truly and we truly want to see a manifestation of the glory of God in these days, then we know what's central to them isn't any new idea, isn't any new revelation, it isn't any new, new book or new manual that's coming out to try and bring some fresh idea into our hearts. It's just some, simply something that has been old and something that is new and something that has been well tasted, tested by all the saints of old. I know we've become so much smarter, so much more intelligent in these days, so much more advanced with all the things that we have and what we're able to do. And thank God for some of those things. But friend, this morning, listen carefully. If we want to see an outpouring, a manifestation of God's glory today, and this world needs to see a manifestation of the glory of God. This world needs to see a demonstration of the kingdom of God. It has seen enough of church activity. It has seen enough of all the religious activity of men. But what this world needs to see is a fresh demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And if we're sincere about that, I believe we are, if we're sincere in our hearts, if we're sincere before God, we know <clears throat> that God, and by the power of His Spirit, is able in a moment to change everything by an outpour of the Holy Ghost, by a sovereign act of God, and revival power coming. But I want to tell you, friends, that every move of the Spirit of God, what has been central to everything of what's ever happened, is the glory of the cross, of Christ being revealed, of Jesus being lifted up, of man being brought low, that we would decrease and Christ would increase. And that only happens by the instrument of the cross. It's something that we know about. It's something that we sing about. It's something that we preach about. But friends, God's looking for a people that are going to live by this cross. So we really desire to see a manifestation of the power of God, a revival. And we call it revival. We call it an outpouring. We call it God moving by a spirit. I know the word revival has become so familiar that the people nearly have been turned off by it. But friends, if we truly want to see a demonstration of the kingdom of God in power and in glory, signs and wonders follow in them that believe. This happens, this does happen, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He has not changed. But his way, the old past, the ancient landmarks, are the only way by which the outpouring of the Spirit comes. And that is through the cross of Christ, no other way that Christ would be glorified, but this cross is foolishness to them that are perishing. The reality of the cross working in our lives. If I want to see this truly manifested in my life, then I must know that it is the cross 
the cross working in me as a message not only that I preach, but as a life that I live by the faith of the Son of God. What it truly is, what it truly is to die to ourselves. You look at Paul the Apostle. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul, we know through the writings of Paul, Paul was receiving, the Bible tells us, the abundance of revelations. There was an abundance of revelations that were being revealed to him, being caught in, in the Spirit. Paul was, was, being was, was being revealed to him the things in the heavenlies. And as those revelations were coming into his heart, and as he was penning under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the majority of these books in the New Testament, as he's writing out of the power of the Holy Ghost, and we see God moving on his life and the revelations that were coming. Look what happens in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So in all the revelations that were coming to Paul, God would bring in a thorn. I don't know what that thorn is. Many greater men than me have tried to tell us what that is. But the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us exactly what that was. But God put an infirmity within his flesh in order that would keep him in a place of dependency and a place of humility because of the revelations that were coming and the glory and the manifestation of the power of God that was that was operating through his life. You know the stories of Paul, his word. He did not come in word only, but in the power and the demonstration through mighty signs and wonders, he preached the gospel. This wasn't because he was a superhuman. It was because there was a Christ that was revealed in him. He had grasped what it was to live by the cross. And then God put this thorn, by the grace of God, he put a thorn in his flesh to keep him in a place of dependency and humility before the Lord. He says these words, For this thing I sought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, in the weakness of man and in the frailty of God, bring him to that place of dependability, even with a thorn in his flesh. The only way that he could live it was by grace. And the grace simply enabled him to live the impossible. So we want to grasp this this morning and the denial of self and taking up our cross. It's not just simply that I say, I'm going to deny myself, I'm, not, I'm going to take up my cross, I'm going to walk this way. Well, I know that that's impossible for me to live that life. I know I cannot live that life just by words and by actions because all that becomes is a legalistic approach to God. All that becomes is me having 20 or so uh, different rules that I'll live by and I'll try to do this. I know I'll feel. I'll try to live by those rules. I'll try to meet that standard and I know it's impossible. And what grace really is, friends, it enables us to live that which is impossible. The grace of God enabled Paul to live that life which was impossible. He made the choice to live that life, but God gave him the grace to do it. It was not Paul, it was Christ that was in him. And so we see here that the Lord says, when Paul said, take this thorn in the flesh away from me, 
But that thorn was working to make him that instrument in which God could actually use. So often we're looking at those thorns in our lives and we're saying, oh Lord, just take it away. We don't want the thorn. But friends, if we can actually see it's the instrument of the thorn that's bringing us to a place of dependability upon God. And God uses many different things, many different thorns in order to work in our life to bring us again to God and dependent and say, God, Lord, I don't know how we can live this, but Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace in order to live this life. And friends, the thorn is set in our lives for the purpose of keeping us in a low place to be dependable upon God. I know the first thing we'd want to do is take the thorn out, cast the thorn away. But if we could see these are the things that God is going to use in our lives, make us vulnerable, make us even weak. But that weakness, God's going to purpose his glory to come through your life. So friends, be careful what you do with the thorn. Because every one of us will have thorns in our lives. These are the things that God uses by his divine wisdom to bring us to a place of dependability. Look what Paul says. I sought the Lord three times. Lord, would you take this from me? But the Lord said to me, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for, for you. For my strength, his strength, is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. Look what he says. Now he's beginning the grasp and embrace. It's the cross. That's what the thorn was. It was the cross to him. Now he said, I'm going to glory in my weaknesses. Why would he do that? Look at this next statement. That the power of Christ would rest upon me. Friends, this morning, if we could change the mindset so often, the difficulties, the trials, the things that come against us, the things that are pressing against us, that bring us to a place often, we feel as though we can't go on, but these are the instruments that God is using in order that he would display his glory through your life, that the power of Christ, listen to what he says, that the power of Christ would rest upon me. Oh friend, that's the power of the Holy Ghost resting upon the church of Jesus Christ. Instead of praying away the thorn, we should be embracing, asking for the grace of God to enable us to, to embrace the thorn of the cross that there is. But in that, look what happens. He's glorying in his infirmities. And not only that, but the power of Jesus Christ will rest upon us. I know today and there's a whole culture in the church that we're to bind everything and cast everything away. But maybe, friends, the things that are coming into our lives is in order for God to make us more like Jesus, to, for us to be an example and a testimony that God would bring us through the fire, that God would bring us through the flood, that God would bring us through the dark night, that God would put a song in our hearts, even praise to our God, that God would change our morning into dancing. There might be a night of weeping, but friends, by the grace of God, we go through the night of weeping, but then the power of Christ comes upon us, and there's joy in the morning. There's victory that comes in the midst of it all. If we only would grasp the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, in this, he said that the power of Christ would rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure. This is what Paul said. There's a different type of preaching here than there is in much of the modern stuff. 
Therefore, I'm taking pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions and distresses for the sake of Christ. For when I'm weak, look what he says, then I'm strong. It is completely opposite. The whole mindset that Paul is bringing to us is completely opposite to the whole context of the world in which we're living in. God has chosen the weak things. Paul saying, you know, I'm weak, then I'm really strong. And God says, I choose weak things in the world to confound the things that are mighty. God's not looking for us to be these superhuman individuals, superhuman religious individuals that have it all together, have it all right, and look all the part. God's looking for men that are broken, women that know in themselves that they're nothing, but they know there's a great Christ that's within them, and they cast themselves at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm weak, I'm frail, I don't know whether I can do it, but I draw in the grace of God, and I pray that the power of Christ would rest upon my life. That's what God is looking for. Friends, that's what God has chosen. That's what God has purposed. But it's completely opposite today, even in the church itself. Jesus said unto them in John 12 and 23, Now remember this, the glory of God will never be revealed without the wonder of the cross at the center of it all. The glory of God will never be revealed without the wonder of the cross at the center of it all. The cross preached, but listen, here's the second part. The cross lived. Without the death, without the crucified life, without the death, there can never be an abundant life. Not abundant life, there has to be a death. Jesus died and he rose again and he gave us that life through the power of the Holy Ghost. In John 12 and 23, Jesus said, Unto them, the hour has come. Listen to what he said. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. This is the hour it's come that he should be glorified. How would he be glorified? Then he said in verse 24, these familiar words, Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is how he'd be glorified. Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Here he says, there had to be a death for the glorified Son. There had to be a death, but if he dies, there'll be much fruit. Through the death and the resurrection of Christ, the abundance of fruit that has burst forth for 2,000 years all over the world, from every tribe and every tongue, as men have come into the reality of the new birth, and in these lives, then we're to take up that same cross. We're to live a life that denies self. And in our weakness and frailty by the grace of God, that the power of Christ would be upon us, but the abundant life would burst through each and every one of us. Sadly today, we'll come to a day, you know, we'll come to a day when we come to this, this topic of the cross of the crucified life. You know, it's rarely ever mentioned, it's rarely talked about, it's rarely preached. We were all on the other side of it all. All the time we're always speaking 
just about that easy believerism, that easy life that we, 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 we just can live out here and there's no display of the glory of God, but we've got all the apparatus, we've got all the mechanics, we've got all the things all in its place. I tell you, friend, we need a demonstration of the kingdom of God. We need the power of Christ to be let loose, but this comes you see this comes, if you see all that on one side, see in the other side, all you're going to see, you'll just see a cross, the cross of Christ. That's it, friends. That's, that's through the cross. It's in the cross. Let me glory in the cross and it alone. We have come to a day our discipleship programs are simply more or less a blue tack type of discipleship program. You can tack it on the wall and then you can take it down again. But friends, I want to tell you something. This is not about blue tacking anything to a wall. This is a crucified life. You know, it is a reality that God is going to use things. God is going to put things in your life, circumstances, people, brethren, friends, family, so forth. I don't know, but God chooses them for his purposes in your life. Our cry is, God, we want to be more like you. We want to know you in the power of your resurrection. What happens then? Here's discipleship. Here's what it is, friends. You know, I can go through a whole book of discipleship courses. But if I don't get this as the very center of it all, the crucified life, that I'm dead, that I'm dead to myself, and this Christ lives in me. Friends, it's so important that we cross this because we can stick it on the wall. But friends, it's not about sticking anything on the wall. It's about a crucified life. It's about a life that denies self. You know, I, I, I tell you how these things happen. These, these, these examples of you, of you like these things that take place in our lives that we're constantly learning, constantly being molded, constantly walking with the Lord. But you know, we really want to die to ourselves and all the things that happen in our lives are testing to us how dead we really are. You know, it's very easy in here to sit in a church setting. Very easy in here to lift our hands. Very easy in here to shout hallelujah, praise the Lord. Very easy in here to preach, say amen and pray. It's very easy in here to look the part, talk the part, never show that there's any type of frailty or weakness. You know, all those things, all the T's crossed, all the I's dotted. Very easy to do all that, but you know, we live a life. We're in this world, we're not off this world. And it's the reality of living a life. You know, a few weeks ago, I shared this, but a few weeks ago, and this is where some of these things came in my own life. A few weeks ago, you know, I had an experience that happened. And, and someone had, just to say, someone had done something that wasn't particularly nice. I felt that there was something just underhand in it all. And I realized that very quickly that something wasn't being done that was so nice. And I can remember when, you know, I just I got away up from the desk and then I felt it I felt it come in, you know. I felt it was like something coming in to you. That that's not right. You know, that's that's not right what they're doing. That's that's very so I just got up and I walked out the door and I walked down the lane and I could feel I could feel that whole flesh, I could feel everything, I feel in some ways the hurt of it, but some ways that even the whole battle of that flesh, you see we're real men. You know, we, I don't want to ever come across, oh Tim, such a, a, up there. I'm not a way up there, I'm way down here. You know, I don't want to try, this is not about competition and trying to make something and make it happen. 
or, or try to portray ourselves as the invincibles. Let me tell you something, we're flesh and, we're flesh and bone. We're just men saved by the grace of God. Now walked out not me and I knew it was just something. But you know, I want to live this life. I don't want to just talk about the cross. I want to live the cross. And I, I got down that lane and I stood in that lane and I said, Oh God, if this is your cross, if this is you revealing something in me, this, this flesh that's rising, Oh God, I prayed. I just stood at that gate and I just said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, forgive me. But I tell you, Lord, if this is the cross, then I want you to take the nails and I want to make sure that this flesh is crucified. I don't want it stuck, but I want to crucify that flesh. And friend, as I just said, Lord, I forgive those people for what they're doing. And in that moment, I tell you, friend, I stood in that, in that lane, and the, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost was so sweet. It was so precious. It was so real because I want to die to myself. I want to be dead. Now, when things happen, we'll let them happen. But friends, I'm not really interested in, in the opinion of men, but oh, that the Christ, this Christ would be displayed in this frail vessel. And so when things happen, because they do happen, when, when injustices are done, because they will be done, when even brethren do things that you know isn't right, but friends, if we can bring it to the cross of Christ, that we can fall on our knees, that we can forgive, I tell you, the power of Christ will be let loose in the body of Christ. And we can really see true forgiveness sweep through the body of Christ. And we can really see in all of that, all the manipulation and all the maneuvering of the flesh. And, you know, Christ had it all. His whole ministry were, were men that were manipulating and moving and trying to sit here and sit there. And all those things that were happening. And yet they betrayed him. And yet they deserted him. And yet they denied him. And yet he still loved them. And all of that, friends, I want to tell you, we truly want to see the power of Christ rest upon the church of Jesus Christ in this day. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, give us the grace to just simply and humbly come to the cross of Jesus Christ. Let this flesh be crucified, but let Jesus be glorified within us. The body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God, Jesus Christ, rests lives within this life. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. Brothers and sisters, this morning, it is in our weaknesses, it is in our frailty, and it's even when the thorns, the thorns of the flesh are there, that it's in those that we're to glory, not to pray them out, but to glory in the infirmities, to glory in the weaknesses, because then the power of Christ would rest upon us. Then the glory of God is revealed. It's the opposite to what the words think. It's the opposite even to what much of the church are thinking today. But this is where the manifestation of the glory will truly come. In Romans 12 and 1, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Present our bodies as living sacrifices. You know, friends, the flesh, there's no flesh or glory in his presence. No flesh will ever glory in the presence of the Lord. None of that fallen nature. The sad thing is, friends, that so much of the activity today is all driven by the flesh. It's all driven by the flesh. 
the fleshly desires, the fleshly pursuits of men within the church and women within the church of Jesus Christ, but truly for Christ and his power to rest again upon the body of Christ. It's a crucified life. It's a cross. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me, Jesus said these words, cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus said. The miraculous, divine, Holy Ghost power, the manifestation of the glory of God. It's the flesh, not the devil. It's the flesh that quenches that power. People are leaving churches saying this was a great preacher. He's a great guy. Or people are leaving churches saying they're amazing singers. Oh, we just want to hear them sing all the time. If people are leaving here and saying those are great people, what they do, I'll tell you what we want people to leave churches saying is, this is a great Christ. This is a great Christ. We love this Jesus. Tell your friend, that's when Christ and the power of Christ comes. Jesus said in John 17 and 21, he prayed these words that they all may be one, as thy Father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou givest me have given them, that they might be one, even as we are one, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know, this is what it is, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and has loved them, as thou hast loved me, that the world would know. Oh, that is our prayer, surely this morning, that the world may know that this Christ is in us, that this Christ is among us, that the world may know that Jesus is real, the cross lived by the power of the Spirit and by the faith of the Son of God. Paul writes in Romans 8 and 8, he says these words, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but we are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ is in us, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh, that there be a quickening in these mortal bodies. We want to know him. We want this Christ. This is our desire, that Christ would be displayed in these temples, that Jesus would be seen in his church. This is his church. He's the head. There's only one head. That head is Jesus Christ. Many churches have got many heads of popes and bishops and everything else, but there's one head of the church and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head and we're the body. And all those joints come together as the assembly of God. And from that head flows this living life, the abundant life and the glory of Jesus Christ in the every fabric of that body. And that body has a responsibility to come to Christ, to live a crucified life, that they would decrease, that he would be increased. That Christ would be seen within us. How does that happen? That's what grace enables us to do. It's not something of just something slippery or something of easy believism. It enables us to live that which is impossible. The appearing of the impossible. The appearing, sorry, of the invisible. The greatest manifestation 
of God's glory comes through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. God has chosen not the great and the mighty. No, I hear people all the time saying, no, God could never use me. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a singer. I'm not a... I tell you, actually, you are the very person that God is looking for. Well, I, I can't do this. I know this. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't. I want to tell you, friend, you're the exact person God has chosen you for the purposes of his glory. Friends, I want to tell you, give it all to Jesus. Let us embrace the cross of Christ. Let it be central in our preaching, but let it be central in our living, that the power of Christ may rest upon us. The glory of God on the cross. Friends, the thorns that are there, don't pray them away. The thorns that are there, embrace them. Glory in the infirmities, that the power of Jesus Christ would be upon us. And by the enabling power of his grace, he'll let us live a life that glorifies him. Friends, I want to know him more than we want anything else. We want to know him and the power of his resurrection. We want to know him, friends, this morning, being conformable to those sufferings and the death of Christ, that death to self. But friends, we want to know the living reality of the abundant life that's through the cross. Friends, those storms that have come, you can't understand them. You can't work them out. You don't know what they are. Sometimes we pray, Lord, take it away. Lord, heal us. Lord, deliver us. Lord, set us free. Lord, move these people away from me. But friends, I want to tell you, thank God this morning, those thorns, embrace them. And say, thank God, enable us by your grace. Why? Because in all of that, there's a death. But there's a glory that comes and the power of Christ is upon us. Oh, friend, this morning, we need a demonstration of this kingdom. We need the cross. It's central. Not only to preach it, but to live it. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, O oh God, that you would indeed illuminate your word to our hearts. Not in any way of legalistic or legalism, Lord, but, O oh God, by the grace of God, to live a life that pleases you. O oh Father, this morning we are in great need. We are in great need of you. Lord, help us to forgive. Help us, Lord, this morning. Lord, enable us by your grace to live a life that honors you, Lord. A life that your Son has displayed in us and glorified through us. Lord, you said that no flesh shall glory in your presence. But, oh God, we pray this morning, would you enable us to live this life for your glory. Lord, we pray for a fresh demonstration of your power in these days. But Lord, we thank that you have chosen your purpose, a way that you'll do it. Lord, that's your way. Oh, Father, we submit ourselves to your way, to your purposes, to your plan. Would you do it, Lord, for your glory? Would you do it for your name? Glorify your Son through our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.